just a beautiful sweet spirit in here this morning. Can you feel that presence of the Lord in this place this morning? Sister, can you stay at the piano just for a little bit? I want you to play that over again. There's a presence of worship in this place. Would you agree this morning? And I don't want to be in a rush uh, to do what I want to do. I want this to be God's thing and not my thing, but God's thing. Don't we agree that we, we gather together in this place called a church to do one thing, and that's to glorify who? To glorify who? Amen. What is his name this morning? Somebody say that name again. Can you, sister, can you play that song? Can you play that song again and sing it? Can you sing along with it, please? Hallelujah. Again, Pastor Warren, thank you for being so led by the Spirit this morning. I'm feeling the presence of God in such a way I don't know which way to go right now. But worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You believe that this morning? Yes, you do, Jesus. Let's lift him up this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing is impossible this morning, saints. Hallelujah, Jesus. You, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's impossible. Nothing is possible for Is impossible. If you have any issues right now that you'd like to deal with, this would be the time to bring those issues to the forefront. Praise God. If you want to come to up for, up to the front and pray, have some of the uh, elders that come up this we will this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. What a sweet presence. What a sweet presence this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I believe. Come on, saints. Don't be, don't be bashful this morning. Praise God. For me, he's more than enough for me. How about you this morning? I need, hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. 
Come on, somebody, help me this morning. I can't be the only one feeling the presence of God like I'm feeling it right now. Hallelujah. The Shekinah glory of God is in this place this morning because we've done what he's called us to do, and that's to praise his name, to glorify his name. Can someone help me pray with this sister real quick, please? Can someone come and pray with this sister, please? Hallelujah. Let's take advantage of this time of worship and worship the Lord. Let's not get in a hurry. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. Come on, somebody, and give God the glory this morning. Pastor preached last week on the awakening. The scripture that he finished off with was uh, 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. A godly sorrow worketh through repentance. And when God's people begin to understand where they stand in him, and who they are and who he is. As he said in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people which are called by my name will pray and humble themselves and turn away from their sins, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Things begin to happen. This church is going into a time of fasting for 21 days. And if you want to draw close to God, Take this time serious. Fasting has a way of bringing you close to God when nothing else will do it. Jesus told the disciples that came to him concerning praying for those that they couldn't see any results from, baffled about what was going on. And he said to them, some things only come about through fasting and prayer. And it's something about the anointing about the glory of God in our lives when we begin to do just what he's commanded us to do. The impossible seem to become possible. Things that seem to be far beyond our reach is suddenly right next to us simply because we have obeyed him and we've sanctified ourselves through a time of fasting and prayer. I'm telling you, it works like nothing else will. As the people come up, for, up to the front and pray, could you come, those of you that will, pray with these brothers and pray with these sisters? I'm not in a hurry this morning. I want God's glory in this place. And I want God's will to be done this morning. It's times like these when answers are given. Feathers are being broken in our lives. when miracles are wrought in our lives and plainly said when souls are saved because we dare to take God at his word. So when he calls you and nugs and pulls at your heartstring this morning, don't be hard-hearted. Let's not be a mirror of the children of Israel in the old days when God was wooing at them softly, consistently. 
And all they had for him were needs and wants and complaints. Let's seek the Lord with our hearts this morning. Let's not be in a hurry this morning, folks. Hallelujah, Jesus. The message this morning will be on <clears throat> salvation. And you'll get a chance to see what this has to do with salvation. Everything that we do, all that we do as a people of God, it points to him. For the chief end of man is to glorify the name of the Lord God. And when this life is all done and over with, those of us who have been faithful, steadfast, and given our hearts to him, will be so glad that we stood fast in the word of God, taking time of worship, taking time of praise, to praise him and, and to glorify him. And when we find that our act of obedience of worshiping him is in place, everything else falls in line. It seems when we worship him, people see the glory of God in our lives and they automatically follow the things that we do. They want to ask of us, what about this life that you have with this one called Jesus? But then we see salvation. We see new souls worn into the kingdom of God. We see things, problems on our jobs being worked out. We see our children begin to obey the things of God, that wayward son, that wayward daughter, that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. Come to God simply because of our obedience. You see, salvation is a provision. It's a twofold provision, if you will. The first of the provision is to glorify the name of the Almighty. And in us glorifying Him, there are benefits to be had. First, our own soul salvation. We have a relationship with Him. And in our relationship with Him, there are other benefits to be had that the Scripture so clearly lines out for us this morning. And so, when we can learn to not be selfish and be selfless, salvation in our lives is most fulfilled this morning. Amen? Praise God. I don't know about you this morning, but I am feeling the presence of the almighty God. Those of you who want to continue to pray right now, please feel free to do so. Stay right where you are. Pastor Derek, as I mentioned, left off with the scripture, 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, a godly sorrow leadeth to repentance on last week. And the message, the awakening. If there's ever a time to be awakened, it's the time is now. We're living, we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming, but we know that he's coming. 
We don't know the day nor the hour or the time, but we do know the season as the disciples question him. What will be the day, what will be the sign and the season of his coming? And he let them know when you see these things happening, the wars and rumors of wars. Thank you for being so obedient this morning. It makes it easier to preach. His presence is so sweet in this place this morning. What would be the signs of the, your coming back? Of course, you guys know the signs, the time, the wars, the rumors of wars, and false prophets arising, the economic system going crazy. He said, when you see these things, lift up your head for redemption. You are about to be completely redeemed. Redemption draweth nigh. I'm getting ready to come to take you home with me once and for all. You see, this morning we don't serve a God on the cross. We serve a God who has already died, gone to the cross and died, was buried, and he has risen once and for all. I serve a risen, a risen Christ this morning. And his name, somebody help me. Jesus. And his name, Jesus. sweet Jesus, lily of the valley, bright and morning star. What a sweet presence. Jesus. Lord, this morning we pray for our pastor as he's out and... Uh, Pray for Rob as they're out. Pray for Pastor Derek as he's preaching this morning that the anointing of the Holy Ghost will come upon him like never before. And that you would give him a way of expounding upon the word that only you could do. But you'd be glorified. And I pray for these precious people here at this church that as I come to deliver a word that you have chosen me to deliver at this time for such a time as this that their minds and hearts are opened and that their souls are fed but in the end that you are glorified and everybody said amen praise God thank you Jesus sweet sweet presence the life of salvation is what we want to speak regarding this morning and uh I want to say something about that salvation that, first of all, our God is a God of order. All that he does is ordered. Nothing is done just thrown out haphazardly. You've seen in life how things happen and people say, how'd you do that? Bet you couldn't do that again if you wanted to. That's the truth. Because we're not God. Something that seemed to be awesome fabulous, outstanding. For example, you're taking a basketball and as a goal, probably almost as uh, the distance is twice the distance of the, the sanctuary and I'm bouncing the ball and I say, well, watch out, I'm getting ready to make a, make a two-pointer or a three-pointer here and everybody goes, yeah, I bet you can do that. So just watch it. And I take that ball and I throw it. <laughs> 
that ball goes right through the net. <laughs> and I look good. And someone, it's always someone's going to challenge you. Bet you couldn't do it again. Chances nine times out of ten, I probably couldn't do it again. Because it's just a haphazardly happened experience that I partook of. And I could use up many other examples like that in life that we go through that things happen sometimes just we think we did real, real good. You know what I mean, brother? Wow, I did good that time. Go back tomorrow and you can't do it. We don't serve a God like that this morning. We serve a God who is absolute, who is deliberate in his actions, and who plans. Now, it's been said, according to Scripture, and I'll go back to that in just a little bit, that the world as we know it was planned before the foundation of the world. What are you saying? I'm saying that we were in the mind of God even before we were called into existence. He had already, in his mind, determined exactly how things would be in the life of man from the beginning until he calls us home. Now, I know it's difficult for us to figure that out because we're not God. We see it, everything that we see scripturally, we see it in part. But there will be a time, there will be a day, that when we see him, we shall be like him. In other words, we will understand it better by and by. You've heard that song? We'll understand the things that we don't understand now in a full sense. But what I'm trying to say is he had already thought out the plan of the existence of mankind before he called all things into existence. So no, God didn't say, I'm going to create man. And in his creating man, and after he created man, man sinned, and God said, oops, didn't see that one. Let me make a redemptive plan here. No. And let me prove to you in Scripture, one Scripture, in his um, divine plan for us. Ephesians 1 and 4. Turn to Ephesians 1 and 4 with me. <clears throat> in fact, I'll just read it from here. I wrote it down. And I'm reading from the New King James. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I mentioned earlier that, that salvation was a twofold um, word that we're working with here this morning. One is that we were all, we were all made to glorify the Lord. So we were. As long as we're glorifying him, the part of salvation, which I'm going to get to in just a second here, is being met in our lives. And I'm going to leave it just like that. Now, before I say anything else, let me very quickly get into the Hebrew and the Greek um, transliterated words for salvation. And that's quite a bit of them. It's six with the Greek and eight with the Hebrew. 
wonder why is that? Because salvation goes in a, in a, in a wide, wide variety of ways in our lives. And the Lord wanted to let those that he spoke to in those two time periods know that I am your salvation in any area of life. I am your provision. Let's go to Hebrew first. One of the first words of uh, salvation is shaya, shaya, I'm sorry, to live. Yeshua, this is a word that most of you are very familiar with. Yeshua, salvation. Yesha, deliverance, rescue, salvation, safety, and welfare. Yasha, to deliver. Malat, to slip away. Now, in your back of your mind, if you will, be thinking about these things, these words that I'm giving you, as how salvation could be uh, worked out in your lives, or how Christ could be salvation in these areas of your lives as the definition. Malat, to slip away. Nus, to flee. Escape. Taspan, to hide. To treasure up. And Tasha, to deliver, or deliverance, salvation. Now, the six of the Greek, or Soteria, deliverance or salvation. Soterios, saving, bringing salvation. Sotar, a savior, a deliverer. Sozo, to save. And tesarizo, to lay up, to store up. And die, sozo, to bring safely through. Now, there again, God is very deliberate in all that he does. He gave these for a reason. Because as our Savior, who brings our salvation, he is our proviso, he is our provider, and every area of life is covered in salvation. Every area of life is covered in salvation. This is why there are so many words describing the characteristics of the Lord in the, Lord in the areas of where, of, of, where life, of where salvation is needed. So every need is met. This includes justification, redemption, and salvation. Now, stop right there. We're going to go back to what I said earlier so I can lay down a foundation. Now, salvation, I'm thinking about salvation. All of us partake in some sort of salvation act in our daily lives. For example, I'm a father and a husband. Now, as a, as a father and a husband, and a, there are needs to be met in the family. Now, those needs are both spiritual needs and they're natural needs. But now, in the natural sense, a wise father would look at the fact that he's married now and there are responsibilities. And in those responsibilities, he makes preparations. See, he has children. So he think about it in his, in his uh, children's lives, while they're still little ones, 
well, there needs to be some type of a college fund set up. I'm looking at sister here because she's real good with monies and she knows how to handle money. So I'm looking at you because I know you, you set things. So you know what I'm talking about and setting up monies and college funds and that sort of thing. And um, brother, you know how it is to think about your wife and your kids for uh, insurances and you set sort of to get an insurance uh, policy set up for that for that family. And so you're thinking about, well, I'm looking down the line. So um, when, when I, not if, but when, the preposition when, I take my last breath as the husband. I want to make sure my wife is provided for. I want to make sure that my children are provided for. Um, and setting up college funds, you're thinking, well, when this, when this child or these children get to college age, they're going to need um, a way of going to school. And um, so I'm going to set this up now so that when they get to college age and when it's time to make that, that, that decision to go to school, they can go to school. Also, in this process making or decision making, a good parent would also think about, um, well, how much, not just saving, but how much would it, how much would it cost to go to school? And all these, all these, these plans and all of these, these decisions making t uh, um, issues are in your mind and, and you're providing for that, that child or those children. Now that's on the natural side. But on the spiritual side, there comes to, there come, uh, a time for needs to be met. And those needs are met And the, what we do in our daily lives before those children and before our wives, as an example, hoping and praying that what I'm doing now in the spiritual sense of my life is building a treasure a spiritual treasure that will work towards salvation in the lives of not only my, my children, but the life of my wife. Now, I want to go back to what I just said earlier. I said that when we connect firsthand with glorifying God, all other needs will be met. So my point here is, there should not be a concern with our spiritual provision for our family when we make glorifying Christ the center of our lives. Now, I'm going to get to the point here in just a bit. I want to lay down a foundation. Because we have to understand that there is no way that we are going to complete the calling in our lives without first glorifying the Lord. And that calling of those callings of each of our lives, I don't care who we are this morning, as far as salvation is concerned, will never be completed until we understand that it's not about us, it's about him, 
And when we fall in line with lining ourselves up with glorifying God, the umbrella of provision is provided. So then, here is where justification, redemption, and sanctification comes in. Because when we align ourselves with obedience of worship, then we're justified. Romans 4 and 25. Read Romans 4 and 25. Stay with me here just a bit. Romans 4 and 25. Who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. In other words, in salvation, there is justification. Justification doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from Biddy Hinn. It doesn't come from uh, Martin Luther. It doesn't come from Zwingli. It comes from the Lord. It comes from a predestinated decision, a predestinated plan that God himself ordained before the foundation of the world. And as he did so, this places us under the umbrella of his blessings his righteousness is now imputed unto me because of my glorifying him this morning so then i have salvation is it making sense yet this morning here is where salvation comes in salvation is not only one thing but salvation is many things it is provisional and we find our full salvation in him when we line ourselves up with his word, his plan in our lives this morning. So then, we are justified, we are counted right with him when we line ourselves up with worship, when we line ourselves up with praise, when we line ourselves up with, with uh, following the things that he has called, commanded us to do. He tells us that, that we should worship, we should come together, and we should uh, find ourselves worshiping him in a place of worship, then do so. He tells us to love one another, then do so. He tells us to pay our tithes, then do so. He tells us to worship him, to read our word, then do so. He tells us to love one another um, unconditionally, then do so. These are things that places us in that umbrella of provision of salvation this morning. It's quite a bit more than what we have to speak about here in this little short time that we have, but it's a beautiful thing. As long as I submit myself, listen, on your job, there is a promotional um, system. And so the way to get promoted is to line up with the job description. And not just to do the job description, but to be consistent in that job description. And as you do that job and you do it well, there are benefits to be had. There's a promotion to be had. There's possibly another job to be had. And this same uh, system, a way of, of being promoted in the kingdom of God is the same uh, with those in the world. If we fall in line with the word of God, our salvation is taken care of this morning because we're obedient. There's no reason to worry where you stand when you're obeying the word spoken in this thing we call the Bible. 
a book of 66 books that have the laws, that have the edicts, that have the commands to our lives of eternity. I can't be lost when I'm obedient. When your child is obeying you, when your child is doing the things that you called him or her to do, or you commanded them to do, they're blessed. They're in, they're in good standing with you. <laughs> but when they step out of that obedience, there are consequences to be dealt with. Well, people of God, this is the same with us. We are his children, and he's our God. He's our, he's our father. And so as long as we're doing what he's called us to do, salvation is ours. So, here we go. Redemption. Galatians 3 and 13. Let's turn to Galatians 3 and 13 and read redemption. Praise God. Redemption denotes separation. I'm sorry, denotes a buyout. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth, on a tree. There again, justification, redemption, and sanctification comes only through Christ. I gave the example earlier of our family members, the father being the one who sets up a plan for the family and sets, sees a, down the, 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 the time and of setting things up for, for um, provisions. Here's what, here's what the natural father can't do. He can't give justification, he can't give redemption, and he can't do any sanctification, but our Lord Jesus does. And redemption denotes a buyout. He paid for our sins this morning, and as long as you and I line up with the promises of God in the Word of God, we have that redemption. What do you mean? He says that except the man is born of the water and the spirit, he can no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, when you submit yourself to that word through repentance and being born of the water and being born of the spirit, you then have a part of that part of salvation, which is redemption. Your sins are paid for. My sins this morning are paid for, and they were paid for some, some 2,000 plus years ago. You can have this, but there's got to be an action on your part. Some people said, it's already been done. It's already been done. But there's an act on your part and on my part this morning that must be done in order that it be fulfilled in my life as an individual. See, there's an opportunity out there but I've got to reach and grab the opportunity. If long as the word is adhered to this morning, nothing outside of the word, nothing additional to the word, but the word of God. Unadulterated word of God. The word says repent and be baptized. You want salvation? then repent and be baptized. So I have a problem with that, Pastor. Talk to the Lord about it. These are his words, not mine. 
Salvation is all of ours this morning for the asking. Not just for the asking, but for the action. That's action on my part. That's action on your parts this morning. But salvation is ours to be had because of our obedience to the word. Now, you didn't think I was going to come this way this morning with salvation. But I think that it needed to be brought this way so we'll understand that it's provisional. And God has already made the provisions. It's up to us to partake of the provisions that God has already given us in the way of salvation this morning. So much so that he thought it out many years ago. We don't know. I don't know how long before he actually spoke the worlds into existence in the plan of salvation that was in the back of his mind regarding you and I. He saw you and you and you and myself and all of us this morning down through the corridors of time, and he knew exactly what you would be wearing today, where you'd be sitting, what you'd be thinking, how you, what condition you would be in, what family you would have, and all these things. But he had made those provisions for you and I even then. So that we will have a right, as Revelation says, a right to the tree of life. There will come the time when those of us who have been victorious and have made it on the other side will partake of the tree of life. It was in the Garden of, Le- in the Garden of Eve, but... Uh, He's going, to, he's going to do it again this time because this time it's going to be done where we have all been glorified and we're in the right mind, <laughs> amen, and in the right bodies. So this salvation will be complete as we know it and we will partake of the tree of life and we will bite. And the tree of life, sisters, will be ours for the asking. Better yet, it'd be ours for the touching, grabbing, and biting because he had planned this he had planned sister uh, he he daughter he planned you to sit where you're sitting this morning to be in the mindset that you're in right now because he loved you he's a provisional God and that's why you have salvation this morning sanctification. There again, no man, no woman, no system can bring you sanctification, sister, you sanctification, brother, me, you, or any of us sanctification this morning other than Jesus. See, he wants us to see it that way. He wants us to glorify him. He wants that vertical relationship with him first so that the horizontal relationship would be right in all areas of our lives outside of, along with, I'm sorry, along with the relationship with him first. Now, let me give you an example of a relationship, a healthy relationship. Man and wife. Young lady just gets married to this young man, and they're, they're happy to be with each other walking around, worshiping the Lord for each other. And uh, they go out in the public. And this beautiful young lady is with this handsome young man. But then there comes another handsome young man around this beautiful young lady who happens to have known her before she was married. And this handsome young man walks over to this now married, beautiful young lady. And he becomes a very friendly to this now beautiful married young lady. 
What do you think that handsome young man is going to feel about that? Back off, man. <laughs> well, that's in a secular sense. That's in a natural sense of understanding where I'm trying to come from. But the Lord, the Bible says he's a jealous God. And he wants our attention. He wants us to glorify him first. We one time did our thing with the world. But now he's calling us to a new dance, to a new lover. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been bought with a price. Now salvation is ours to have. And he doesn't like some other knucklehead messing with his bride. And he doesn't want his bride having googly eyes for some other knucklehead. Come on, somebody. You understand what I'm trying to say this morning? And that's the way our God is. Now, granted, that's something that God has placed into us. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's healthy. It's not healthy to have a man and a wife and to have that incident and the guy act like nothing's going on. One or two things are going on. Either he don't have it all, he doesn't have it all here, or he doesn't love the old girl. Thank you, thank you very much, sister. Amen. Don't come messing with my honey. Because I love her. And the Lord has said this morning, and in this, he's saying, I want my honey's attention and my, my honey wants my attention. And the Lord is telling us this morning, I want your attention. I want you to focus on me. And I will provide for you. That husband tells that wife, baby girl, you focus on me, I'll take care of you. I'll provide. If I have to take three jobs to provide for you, I'll provide. That's my responsibility. Because, see, that's an innate thing that God has placed in a man. Just like the innate thing that God has placed in a woman to take care of her family and to take care of her children and watch that woman put herself in, the, in the harm's way for those babies. Sometimes it's impossible things. And you watch what she does and you whoa! But that's an innate thing that God himself has placed in that woman. So it's a natural thing. It's a natural thing for us, Jesus, to desire you and I to focus on him in prayer, consecration, dedication. It's natural. There is no relationship if there's no coming together, people. We have got to come together with him in his time. What's his time? His word. He instructs us how to do this. It's not rocket science. It's just obedience. Some people say, oh, living for the Lord is so difficult. Hobbog. You know what? Jesus said it's, gonna be, it's impossible to live his life without offenses. And not to mention... Living 
in this life is difficult. Life itself is difficult, people. We just make up our minds we're going to suck this thing up and drive on and do what we're supposed to do so that when it's all said and done, we're looking in the face of Jesus. That's salvation. I think I want to make heaven my home this morning. I have anybody out there that can say amen? Amen. I want to read this last scripture. I want to read this last scripture out of 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13. Second Thessalonians 2 and 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification, through of the Spirit, and belief of the truth. You know, David said that we are the apple of his eye. We have been the apple of his eye for some time. He saw you before you knew you, before your father knew himself, before your great-grandpappy knew himself, your great-grandpappy, great-great-grandpappy knew himself, and it goes on and on and on. He saw you. Think about it this morning. He saw you this morning. And he set up a provision, salvation. Did you get the definitions I gave this morning purposely before I got here? He provided an escape. He provided deliverance. He provided strength. He provided all these things. But he did it before we knew ourselves and those that was 2,000 years before us knew themselves, and those that were 4,000 years before them knew themselves, even before there was a world that was actually spoken into existence. Our God had a plan. I'm telling you, my God is an orderly God. Nothing that he does is haphazardly. Nothing that he does is an oops, there it is. No, my God knows exactly what he's doing. So much so that in Exodus, he started deliverance. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. In Genesis 3 and 15 was the first messianic promise. In Leviticus, access of holiness, the way of, to God was through burnt offerings. Leviticus chapter 1 Verses 2 to 9, the meat offering, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, the peace offering, chapters 11, I'm sorry, 7, um, verse 11 through five, uh, 15, the sin offering, chapter 4. And numbers is where they learned because of their disbelief, because of their no relationship, no communicating with God. Salvation was cut off. And Deuteronomy was 
the word deuteros is second and most is law, the second law, it was reiterated to the people because Moses and those that followed him were cut off from that part of, that part of salvation. So in order that salvation in the plan that God had designed would continue, Deuteronomus, the second law, was reiterated to the people so that they would know the plan that he had for them so that there would be a connection of salvation that it would continue to go on. And Matthew, Matthew, we see the kingly Messiah, chapter 1. In Mark, we see the Jesus as the tireless servant, putting all this together for the sake of bringing salvation to you and to me. In Luke, we see the gospel of universal, so that there would be a salvation not just to a people before, but to a people now, and a people to go on and on. I'm going to stop there. I have some more notes concerning that. I've gone pretty long this morning. But he wants us to understand that there is a very personal, I know this sounds corny, you've heard this, relationship that he desires each of us to have with him and him only first so that salvation will be complete in our lives. Remember, we are judged by our fruit. And you can tell those who have taken on God at his word to produce fruit. He said when he comes back, as trees of fruit, he wants to find out if we're producing. And if we're not producing, we're hewn down and thrown into the fire. That's not salvation. That's eternal damnation. That's eternal separation from God. So what I'm saying this morning is I want salvation to be who I am, what I am, what I do through my obedience. And I don't have to worry, Sister Angie, about anything else in life as I line myself up with the Word of God. Someone asked me the other day in seminary, the, one of the, the classes that I was in the other, no, other night, he said, Solaria, uh, how do you feel about, he's asking about churches. I said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Do I always feel good in church or certain churches? No. I said, God has called me to be obedient. And wherever God calls me to go, I do it. I said, now, if being that honest hurts your feelings, it is what it is. I've learned to be obedient in the things that God has called me to do. And in so doing so, I want to see my family saved. I want to be saved. And every life that I impact, I want to make a positive impact. I want to see people's lives changed because of my obedience, not, not because of anything that I've done, if there's anything that you see good in anybody, it's because of the imputed righteousness of God in his or her life. 
not because of he, not because of she, but because of the God that they serve, but because they have learned to obey that God. They have placed themselves under that umbrella of protection, and the provisions of God have been met in their lives, and therefore they have salvation. That's why. And so I told him, I said, hey, man, I'm just doing what I got to do. I said, I love people. The church that I attend, I love the people. But do I always feel good? No. Why? That's the human side of me. And that's the human side. Of me. He's, want, he's wanting me to give him a story and, and tell a lie and say, oh, brother. Oh, uh, brother. No, I'm human just like everybody else. And here's where I stand. I want you to see me for who I am. I want to be transparent. I want to be the man that God already knows who I am, but I want the people around me to know who I am. Like we used to say, straight up. I want you to know who I am so you know who you're dealing with. Submit yourself unto the, the things of God. And you'll find salvation in a way that you've never known it before. Love those that are very difficult to love. Be kind to those who are nasty. Go out of your way sometimes to do something just a little bit nice. But most of all, line yourself up with the commandments and show enough salvation will be yours. Amen? God bless you. Pastor.